morning. Uh, it's a joy to stand before the children of God and share from uh, God's Word. Um, we continue in our continued study from the book of Colossians, Colossians and chapter 2. I was given to share from verse 4 to verse 7. Colossians and chapter 2. I'll begin reading from verse 1. We'll read the first 10 verses. If you are all there, the Bible reads, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Verse 6. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of the world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given a fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Shall we just turn to the Lord in prayer? Father God in heaven, we thank you for a time such as this that we can glean through your scriptures and learn from thee. We plead God the Holy Spirit, that great teacher and guide, to illumine our hearts and to explain the deep truths of scripture. Praying for myself, that Lord God in heaven, you use me as a vessel. Let not my sin be an hindrance to the blessings that you have in store for your people. This message we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. False teachers taught a message that negated the redemptive work of Christ. In chapters 1 and 2, so far we have looked and seen how these false teachers taught a message that refuted the deity of Christ. They brought a message that said that the work of Christ was not sufficient for the salvation of sinners. In verse 4, Paul warns the believers that they do not fall prey to false teachers and be deceived to disbelieve the message that they had received at salvation. I tell you this 
so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Friends, brethren, it's possible that true believers can be drawn away from the basic Christian tenets of our faith. In Colossians 2 and verse 8, in Colossians 2 and verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. False teachers will get people to disbelieve, believers and unbelievers alike. They will get people to believe a lie. First Timothy 6, 20-21, Apostle Paul warns young Timothy to turn away. He warns him to keep away from falsehood because some have professed and have wandered from the faith. So that is a danger that comes with a false teaching. Secondly, we also notice that false teaching robs people of joy and peace. Again, if we quickly turn to 1 Timothy 3, 1 Timothy 6, reading from verse 3 to 5, we see how that controversy quarrels about the words of God result in envy, strife, malice, and talk, suspicion, and uh, friction. So, false teaching will rob us of joy, it will rob us of peace. False teaching robs the people of salvation. Remember uh, from the preaching of our brother and elder, Dr. Kambole, last week we saw how that the false teachers taught a salvation that required a higher knowledge of God other than what is revealed in the scriptures. We also see that the false teachers taught a message that brought about the aspect of observance of the ceremonial rituals. The Lord Jesus Christ is relegated to a being lesser than God. Friends, brethren, the Bible is very clear. There is no other name given on earth by which a man shall be saved. And Jesus Christ is our Savior because he is a very God. So we see that one of the consequences of false teaching is that it robs people of salvation because they have believed a lie. As Christians, we have the duty to stay clear and free of a false teaching that will draw us away from Christ. Second Peter 1, I'll ask that we turn to that passage of Scripture. Second Peter 1, reading from 3 to 10. In there, we see that through the knowledge of Christ, God has given us all things that will enable us to go through this journey of life and cause us to live productive and effective lives that escape the corruption and the evil influences of 
this world. First Peter and chapter one. First Peter and chapter three, sorry. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep us from being ineffective. Friends, through the knowledge of Christ, God has given us all that we need to be productive, to be effective, to live effective lives and escape the corruption and the evil of this world. In verse 5 of our passage, in verse 5 of our passage, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. Apostle Paul was not able to be with the Colossian believers physically because he was in prison. He was unable to be present with them, but that did not mean his love and concern for them was any less. Friends, brethren, when we are away from others, we can still share in their joys or their sufferings as we pray together with them and for them. We can pray for them. We can uphold them before God in prayer. The Bible in Ephesians 6 and 18 reminds us that believers are called to pray in the spirit, remembering that our battle is spiritual and we must fight not in our own human strength, but we are to depend on the word of God through prayer. Apostle Paul is saying to the believers at Colossae, I am always with you. I am with you in spirit. I am always thinking about you and praying for you. When he uses the phrase, I am with you, in spirit. Despite not being with you in person, I'm always thinking about you and praying with you and for you. I am with you in spirit. You will notice with me that this phrase is used to show how much people matter to you, to offer comfort when we hear of others that are going through one form of challenge or suffering, we we'll usually phrase we we'll usually use phrases like "Brethren, be comforted. We are with you." What we are basically communicating is our love, it's our care for them. From the scriptures, believers are exhorted to comfort one another. Quickly turn, uh, we'll quickly turn to a few passages of scripture. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 to 4. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 to 4. 
Second Corinthians 1, verse 3 to 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. From the comfort we have received from God, we are to be of comfort to others. Colossians 4 and 11. Colossians 4 and 11. I'll, I'll, I'll quickly be perusing through those uh, passages. If we are there, Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers from the kingdom of God, and they have proved to be a comfort to me. Believers are to be of encouragement to others. Apostle Paul here testifies of believers who were a comfort to him. In Colossians 4, 7 to 9, in Colossians 4, 7 to 9, we see an aspect uh, where knowing about the circumstances of other believers is important. Colossians 4, and verse 7 to 9, the Bible reads, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you with the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that you may and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful dear brother, who is one of us. So knowing about the circumstances of other believers is important. It enables us to pray intelligently about them. It enables us to pray intelligently for them and offering appropriate prayers for them. As I was going through uh, the study of God's word in preparing for uh, uh, this discourse, it just hit me. Have you ever wondered why Riverside Chapel has a segment in our worship service dedicated to announcements? That we may know what is happening in the life of others. And when we know what is happening in the life of others, that we may be of service. So it's, it's important, it's for our encouragement, it's for our information, that we may act upon that information. In the passage that we have read, we see Apostle Paul is delighted to know of the faith of the believers in Colossae, the faith they have in Christ and also their orderliness. Remember, Paul isn't with them physically, but he's expressing his joy. Paul obviously has a close relationship with them. He has a close contact with them. Friends, brethren, I think it's important to draw ourselves to the understanding that believers belong to a family, the family of God. And in a family, we have a responsibility, we have a duty to love and to care for one another. I think what we must run away from and desist is the worldly notion that out of sight out of mind as the world will teach us. So we see Apostle Paul here, though not being with the brethren, 
he's still with them in spirit. He delights in knowing about their circumstances. Ephesians 2 and verse 19 again exhorts believers that are members of the family of God. Okay. Ephesians 2 and verse 19 does remind us of this fact that we are members of the family of God. Ephesians 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God, with God's people, and members of God's household. So believers are members of God's household, adopted into the family of God when we believe in Christ as Lord. We become members of this great family. And in a family, people care about one another. In a family, people rejoice with one another. And in a family, people are concerned. And so as Christians, we are called to this life where we should show concern one for the other. Apostle Paul here, very far away from these believers, still encourages them and he tells them that he's with them in spirit. And he also tells them in verse 5 that he delights in the things that he has heard about them. In Romans 8, 16 to 17, also we are reminded that we are God's children. Apostle Paul writes to the saints at Rome, reminding them that they are God's children who share in the privileges a child has from the Father. I delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. Spiritual growth and maturity of other believers should be a delight to every Christian. It should be the concern of every Christian as well when we see there is a lack of it. Brethren, we should be concerned for the spiritual well-being of other Christians. We should take joy in seeing young believers grow in their faith and in their walk with the Lord. When members are not present at church or church meeting, does it concern us? Do we get bothered when we do not see spiritual growth in others? In Philippians 1, uh, verse 3 to 4, and in verse 9, we notice how Paul God, uh, gives thanks to the Lord for the love of knowledge and insight that the church at Philippi had. It delights the apostle to the extent that he gives thanks to God for the love that he has seen, the love of uh, this church, the love of knowledge and the insight that this church has. In 1 Corinthians 1, verses 4 to 7, Paul gives thanks for the church and the endowment of the spiritual gifts that the church at Corinth has. Brethren, we are to be a people that should rejoice with the believers. When other believers make spiritual strides, I think we should rejoice with them and we should be people that are glad to see such happening in the midst of God's people. 
Romans chapter 1 is a classical case of how Paul gives thanks for successes scored by the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 8, first I give thanks, first I thank my God through Christ Jesus for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Paul gives thanks for the success scored by others. The good report of the faith of the saints at Rome delights Apostle Paul. In verse 6 of our passage, the 6 of our passage, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. So then, just as you have received Christ as Lord, continue to live in Him. Just as you have received Christ as Lord, continue to live in Him. A Lord is someone who has authority, someone who has control, someone who has power, over others. Apostle Paul, in drawing the Colossians back to a point, Apostle Paul is drawing the Colossians back to a point when they acknowledged the authority, the control, and the power Jesus has upon their lives. Friends, when we get saved, we submit to the rulership of Jesus Christ. We commit to living a life no longer doing what the sinful nature demands but what God demands. The phrase Lord used of the Lord Jesus Christ denotes the authority and the power that he has. Jesus Christ as Lord is the supreme ruler of the universe. He has authority, he has control, he has power, over all creation. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, we see the account of a leper. We see the account of a leper who acknowledges Jesus' power and authority over disease. Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 8, sorry, in verse 2. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you will make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. The leper acknowledges Jesus' power over disease. The leper acknowledges Jesus' power over sickness. In Matthew 8:23. We see the account of the disciples fearing for their lives. The disciples turned to Jesus to calm the storm. In there we also see how they acknowledge his power and authority over nature. Because we see the Lord Jesus Christ calming the storm. Matthew chapter 1 and 21. Uh, a very famous passage of scripture that we normally refer to during the birth, uh, during Christmas, 
telling us about the birth of Christ. In this account, we see the angel of the Lord appearing to Joseph in a dream and tells him that Jesus will save his people from their sin. There, again, we see Christ has power over sin. The angel reveals to Joseph that Jesus has power over sin. In John 20 and 28, when Jesus appears to his disciples after the resurrection, Thomas, famously called Doubting Thomas, acknowledges Jesus as Lord and God, my God and my Lord. To refer to Jesus as Lord is also to acknowledge his deity. Is to acknowledge him as God. Jesus, the Son of God, is God and has all authority in heaven and on earth as supreme ruler of the universe. So as Apostle Paul reminds the saints at Colossae in verse 6, So then, just as you have received Jesus as Lord, continue in him. He's basically drawing back these believers to that point when they acknowledge the power of Christ in their lives. The term Lord is used to denote the power Christ has over all creation. A very famous passage of scripture we commonly refer to as uh, the Great Commission in uh, Matthew 28 attests to the fact that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Uh, I'll ask that we quickly turn to that one, Matthew 28 and verse 18. Matthew 28, reading from verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Attesting to the fact that Jesus has authority in heaven and on earth. Apostle Paul is reminding the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae that they once committed to making themselves subject to the rulership, subject to the authority, subject to the power and the kingship of Christ. They committed to following Christ. just as you have received Christ as Lord. Friends, the important question for you this morning, have you received Christ as Lord? Do you know anything about the life of submitting to the authority? Do you know anything about the life of submitting to the power of Christ?
in your life. My good news for you today is that he who has power over sin, he who can forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, is calling you. You too will be a member of the family of God. You may be here today and have lived your life according to your own terms, according to the dictates of the world, and have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord. Jesus is calling you to come to him. He's calling you to submit to his rulership, submit to his authority, submit to his power, and live in obedience. In the latter part of uh, verse 6, we see Apostle Paul speaking to the believers and he urges them to continue to live in him, continue to live in the Christ that they have come to know. He makes a passionate appeal to the believers to continue what they have started. Friends, the Christian life is a journey and like every journey, you set out to get to a destination. It is not instantaneous. You walk through or travel through until you get to the end. It is very important that he makes this appeal because he does not want them to be derailed or to lose focus, thus lose their way to their destination. Continue to live in him. He makes this passionate appeal to the believers at Colossium. Deuteronomy 5 and 33 speaks to us about the aspect of walking in obedience to all that the Lord God has commanded us. As we give our lives to the Lord, as we submit to Him as Lord, as we submit to His authority and rulership, Christ requires of us to do his bidding. Christ requires of us to live lives that are pleasing. Other Bible versions say to walk in him. To walk in Christ is to live a life fashioned or patterned after the life of Christ. In Colossians 1 and verse 10, it reminds us of a life that is pleasing, a life that bears fruit. Colossians 1 and verse 10 and we pray in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in everywhere bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God a life that is pleasing a life that bears fruit in good works a life showing growth in the knowledge of God. In other words, do not depart from the Lord, but continue to live in Him. And I think this is what Apostle Paul is speaking to the Colossians. This is his encouragement as he says to them, continue to live in Him. In verse 7, Apostle Paul brings out the aspect of the Colossian being rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as they were taught, and overflowing with 
thanksgiving rooted and built up in him other bible renderings uh, use the phrase firmly rooted and being built up a tree or a plant is supported by the roots and we can loosely refer to the root system as the foundation for the plant the strength of a tree to survive adverse weather conditions depend on how deep and strong the root system of the plant is the roots also provide the means by which food is taken to the plant or supplied to the plant apostle paul uses this phraseology and the analogy of uh, the root to speak about the need for believers to have their faith based on the correct foundation spiritual maturity in a christian develops upwards from the foundation of biblical truth as taught or recorded in the word Colossians 3 and 16 uh, we can quickly turn to that Colossians 3 and 16 let the word of God dwell in dwell richly in you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to the lord the rooting the building and the establishing that apostle paul speaks about in this verse is in sound doctrine from the word of god it does not come from human philosophy it does not come from human wisdom or good sounding arguments he's drawing the christians to the fact that they ought to be rooted in sound doctrine from the word of Christ and not human reasoning or human wisdom elsewhere we see apostle paul advising young timothy to watch his life and his doctrine closely in first uh, timothy 4 and 16 to persevere in them because he will save himself and he will save those that hear him being rooted upon the firm foundation of Christ is very very important and i think that's the thrust of what apostle paul is speaking to the believers at colossae in this verse you know, when he says um from i'll read from verse 6 so then just as you received Christ Jesus as lord continue to live in him rooted and built up in him strengthened in faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness the scriptures are calling us just as apostle paul was reminding the believers at colossi the scriptures here today are calling us to be those that are rooted on the firm foundation of doctrine sound doctrine Second Timothy 3 and 16 scripture is useful 
for fully equipping believers for all good works. We notice that the scriptures constantly remind us that Jesus Christ is the sure foundation and whoever believes in him will stand and will not be disturbed and will not be put to shame. So we are to be those that seek to be a people whose faith and whose belief and trust is based on the sure foundation of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The later part of the verse speaks about the overflow that Apostle Paul sees the overflow in the believers with thankfulness, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Friends, only those who have put their trust in Christ, those who have submitted to his authority, those whose faith is built on the foundation of Jesus will grow to be strengthened in their faith. And as believers grow in their knowledge of Christ, their gratitude will show. I think one of the things you notice about the life of believers is those who grow in grace, those who grow in their knowledge and understanding of Christ will be those that are filled with gratitude. So here Apostle Paul is making reference to that fact that we ought to be as Christians, like he gives this encouragement to the believers at Colossae, just as they had received Christ as Lord, they need not depart or deviate from him. They are to be rooted and firmly built up, strengthened in their faith and overflowing with thankfulness. As Christians grow in their knowledge of Christ, their gratitude will show. We see an overflowing in thankfulness. We see gratitude in them. As I was preparing for uh, this discourse, it just came to my mind that um, some of these doctrines that we have, when you think about them, I think your heart just wells up into gratitude. I was thinking of the doctrine of election from Ephesians 1 and verse 4, chosen before the foundation of the world. I was thinking of the doctrine of reprobation, Romans 9, verse 14 to 18, how God shows mercy on some and he hardens others. If you're a Christian and then you realize God chose me and God has not chosen others, if you think about the doctrine of salvation by grace, Salvation is not by works, it's a work of God. Even the ability for me to respond to the call of the gospel was a work of God. 
brethren, such deep truths just cause your heart to well up in thankfulness. I remember as a young Christian, um, one day asking myself, but is, is God really fair? Is God really fair? How can you choose some and harden others? And then it was only until I learned to look at it from the other side, God chose me and my heart welled up with gratitude. Apostle Paul writes to the believers he has not seen to encourage and foster unity. He writes to them to help them understand and know the mystery of God, which is Christ Jesus. In Christ, God has hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so the more believers get to know Christ, the more they get to know the wisdom and knowledge of God. Knowing Christ, the believer will know wisdom and have all wisdom. Sorry, I'll read that again. Knowing Christ, the believer will know wisdom and have all knowledge. He then goes on to tell them the reason he thought it was necessary to speak to them about the importance of knowing Christ. And that is that they might not be deceived by the false teachers. We quickly looked at uh, the things that comes with uh, false teaching. He pleads with them to continue living lives that are pleasing to the Lord. He reminds them of the importance of having their faith built on the correct foundation, which is Christ. He speaks about the gratitude that accompanies believers whose faith is built on the true doctrines of Christ. Friends, if you are here this morning and uh, the things that we've been speaking about you know nothing of them. I'd like to encourage you that just as Apostle Paul speaks to the believers at Colossae, how that they had received Christ, I'd like to encourage you to think about your life. Have you submitted to Christ as Lord? Remember the things we said about the phrase Lord, Christ as Lord, he has authority over all creation. He has power over sin. He is able to forgive sin. The angel of the Lord speaking to Joseph tells him about this son that was to be born, who was to be named Jesus, because he is going to forgive people of their sin. So my encouragement to you this morning is that you come to Christ. Christ is calling you. The Lord, one that has authority over all creation, one that has power over sin, one that has the ability to forgive you, one who is very God himself, is calling you. And you too can get to be a member of the family of God.
Amen. Shall we just pray together? God in heaven, we thank you for this brief study of the word of God. God the Holy Spirit, we ask that you, who is able to convict men of sin, you who is able to illumine our hearts, will be gracious upon us this morning and speak to some in that still, still small voice that they may make a decision to submit their lives to the rulership, to the authority and the power of Jesus Christ and have Christ as Lord of their lives. We thank you, Lord, for these truths and we pray a blessing upon your word that you might bless this word to each one of our hearts. This message we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. for him. 